Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Strava CBD coffee can help you with chronic headaches, joint pains, IBS, so much more than that. It's enriched with CBD and CBG and can be delivered to your doorstep on any two-week interval of your choosing, two, four, six, or eight, whatever you need. Now you can get 25% off your first purchase when using code DNVR25 at StravaCraftCoffee.com. I'm your host, Patrick Lyons, and on today's DNVR Rockies podcast, we've got some Rockies news. Yeah, they signed three new pitchers to minor league deals. I will tell you who they are and where we might see them during the 2022 season down in the minors, at least to start. Maybe they'll make it up to the big show in Denver. We've got an update on the Eric K trial. You may have heard something or two about what's been going on following the death of Tyler Skaggs in 2019 and the fact that a current Colorado Rockies player did have to go and testify on trial for that, as well as an update on the lockout in everything after both parties met on Thursday. Let's go ahead and start with the news of the Rockies signing three pitchers, all three right-handers, Zach Lee, Dylan Overton, and Zach Neal to a minor league contract. Now, Lee is the most notable name of the three, was at one point the 28th overall pick in 2019 by the L.A. Dodgers out of McKinney High School in Texas, one of the suburbs just north of Dallas, was the Dodgers' number one prospect in 2012, was even a top 100 prospect for Baseball America as recently as 2014, which isn't very recent. However, he was down in the minors, again, as a guy coming out of high school. It took him a while to develop when it seemed as if he wasn't going to pan out the way that the Dodgers had hoped. He was used as a trade chip, a very valuable trade chip at that, was dealt to the Seattle Mariners, and L.A. received Chris Taylor, who's been paying dividends for them still to this day, signed somewhat of a team-friendly contract this offseason before the lockout started. Now, Lee has pitched in only four games in the majors with both the Dodgers and Padres. Struggled last year in AAA with the Reds and the D-backs top affiliates. But he's 30 years old now and could be a guy who battles for a spot in the Isotopes rotation here going forward. Second guy up is Dylan Overton. He did pitch last year in the Chinese Professional Baseball League with the Rakuten Monkeys. Had a 3.75 ERA and a 1.30 whip over 57 and two-thirds innings of work. Was originally a second-round pick by the A's in 2013 out of the University of Oklahoma. So he's a guy that I'm sure has plenty of good John Gray stories to go around. Got as high as the eighth-best prospect in Oakland system back in 2016. Played in parts of three seasons with the A's, Mariners, and Padres. And again, will be one of those players that potentially could find a spot in the rotation, but I think at this point in his career, he is basically a reliever. That finally leaves us with another guy from the University of Oklahoma. I don't think Overton and Neal ever brushed up against one another. Maybe when Neal was a senior, Overton was a freshman. Then again, Neal was probably selected as a junior, which is very typical. He's a 33-year-old reliever who pitched last year in Japan with the Cebu Lions, and the dude did not walk batters at all in Japan. Induced tons of ground balls, just over 50%. This is a player that, frankly, I'm a little bit excited about. Again, he's a player that we will see in AAA with the Isotopes, and we certainly... May not see him with the Rockies, but if we do, he could contribute and provide some really quality innings out of the pen. And you cannot have enough of those guys, and you certainly can't overlook the value of, of having a player of this caliber, even if it's just as a depth piece to protect some of your other young relievers. Again, he, this could be a, the type of player, similar to what we saw last year in a Taylor Motter, who was, again, one of those minor league signings that you don't think much about. But, hey, maybe you catch lightning in the bottle. The Rockies certainly did. Called him up, added him to the 40-man roster. We didn't see him for very long in Colorado. And, hey, no harm, no foul. You know what? They're not married to him. That He hasn't been around very long. He is on the older side, the wrong side of 30. 
So if you need to designate him for assignment or waive him to add a younger player that is going to have much more upside and could be a part of your organization even longer, then it's kind of no harm, no foul when it comes to getting rid of, rid of a player like that. So that could be the case with Zach Neal next season. We'll see what happens. As I said, another guy from the University of Oklahoma, 17th round pick by the Marlins back in 2011. Actually had a 70-plus inning season with the Athletics in 2016 and was worth just under one win above replacement, according to baseball reference. Also pitched with the Dodgers in 2018. So he is probably the more interesting guy, not as high profile as Zach Lee, but Zach Neal, certainly the player you could be a little bit more excited about when it comes to the Rockies' bullpen. We already had Kamara Barty pass away this offseason, and another member of the Rockies family, more loosely based, did pass away this past week. Calvin Jones did pass away from a brain cancer at age 58. Now, he never suited up for Colorado, and I believe that he never even played for the Rockies in the minors, but he was a selection by Colorado in the 1992 expansion draft was originally selected by the Mariners in 1984 as the first overall pick in the January draft. Yes, the January draft. There was a period of time in which there were two drafts in baseball, and the one in January was mainly for those players who graduated in the wintertime. And so most of the time when we talk about first overall pick or this guy was selected in this round, when we're talking about some some of the old-timers, it was in the draft that we know it to be in June. But yes, there was a January, a second phase of the draft that that did also take place up through the 80s. But once he retired, Calvin Jones actually made his mark as a scout for the Dodgers, where he was actually incredibly important to the Dodgers for helping them select Clayton Kershaw with the seventh overall pick in the 2006 draft. We'll have to probably do somewhat of a refresher once this lockout ends, because I know in the live podcast that I recorded on Thursday with Evan Lang from Purple Row, I kind of joked about not really knowing where certain players were. Like D. Strange Gordon was the guy who got brought up, and I thought, you know, I, I think I might know where he's at right now, but I'm not sure if, if he, he was a minor league signing, of course, D. Strange Gordon, but I, I, it's hard to remember and keep tabs on these guys at this point in the offseason because we're not even in the offseason. We're just in limbo right now. We are, are all in purgatory. And so we will have to do somewhat of a refresher on all the free agents, where everybody is at, and where everybody isn't because right now Clayton Kershaw isn't with the team. He's a free agent. Didn't even get a qualifying offer from the Dodgers. Sort of think that. You know, the, the two sides wanted to be on, on good terms, as they certainly should be, and that maybe Kershaw is going to go back home and play with his hometown Texas Rangers. We did see him in L.A. over the last weekend supporting his buddy Matthew Stafford, a guy he played baseball with as a youth. So we will definitely get around to that as we get closer to a season that has an opening day scheduled for question mark, question mark, question mark. and. Speaking of question marks, hey, the Rays are open to trading just about everybody in their outfield. You know that I've already talked a little bit about the benefits of acquiring a player like Kevin Kiermeyer, mostly because he's probably the most expendable player right now on the Tampa Bay Rays, and you may not have to give up quite as much to get him. Probably has the lowest upside of, of their outfielders. Manuel Margot, it was reported by Mark Topkin, uh, could also possibly be available. I think Kiermaier has a bit more upside than Manuel Margot, who also has the ability to play center field. He'll be in his age 27 season this year. Again, really solid defense, we know, has, has mostly been in right field because Kiermaier has been in center. Wouldn't call him a major threat on the basis, but he is still capable of stealing 20 bags, puts the ball in play. Not a ton of power, but overall, You'd probably have to call him an above-average hitter when it comes to his value. It's his final year of club control before he hits free agency. But Austin Meadows is really the guy that it sounds like Tampa Bay 
is open to trading. Again, it's somewhat of a nebulous phrase of, hey, they're open to trading him, just like the Rockies are in the market for a shortstop. And they say, well, they're interested in Trevor Story. Yes. Yes. Any professional sports franchise, hockey, basketball, football, whatever it may be, you should have interest in Trevor Story. He's an elite athlete. But what does that actually mean for 2022? Hard to know. But when it comes to the Rays, hey, if they are open to trading someone, you know that it very well could happen. In fact, you don't even have to say that the Rays are open to trading to someone. They're the Tampa Bay Rays. Of course, they are going to have interest in trading any one of their players. Now, for Meadows, he's already was an all-star in, in 2019, has gotten M- MVP votes, I think, two of the last three seasons. He's finally going to be hitting arbitration this year. So, again, that makes him a lot more expendable. As his contract keeps going up and up, this, this might be the prime time to get the most bang for your buck. When it comes to him, as his value on his contract goes up and his on-field play starts to level off, he's still in his prime. He'll be playing his age 27 season this next year. And defensively, he's a guy with not a ton of upside. He's probably a bit below average overall. Mainly plays out in left field. has got a lot of left-handed pop. bats for average. And was a huge steal for the Rays in that Chris Archer trade where they got him. Shane Baz, as well as Tyler Glass now. And so now they're going to turn around and say, hey, let's let's keep this trade tree going. And we have Chris Archer and then Austin Meadows and the two other players I mentioned and get some more guys on top of that for Austin Meadows. And if you're not familiar with that term trade tree, well, we've got an article that came up on Monday on the DNVR.com on the Rocky side where I explain a little bit about the the great history of trade trees. There's still an active one going on right now that began back in 1983 from the Cleveland Guardians franchise. Go into some of the longest trades in Rockies history. One that got started with a player that was drafted in 1993, their first in-season draft. Well, that guy was eventually used to acquire Jeff Cirillo, who was used to get Brian Fuentes, who got Rex Brothers, and hey, he was only on the team, you know, not that long ago. And so you can see how long value you can get when you're a bit aggressive on the trade front. So you can check out that article as well as everything else I've been doing this offseason on the DNVR.com. Now only 50 cents for your first month and annual membership. Actually gets you a free shirt at the DNVRlocker.com and gets you that member size beer as well. When you're hanging out down on the corner of Colfax in York, we've got the deal of the week going on. All kinds of great specials if you're down at any number of our watch parties going on for the Nuggets, Abs, Rams, Buffs. Can't wait to finally get it all kicked off with the Rocky seasons because we're going to be blowing it out for some Rockies watch parties. We've got some really interesting ideas, to say the least, coming this season. So make sure you are one of us. You're a member of the DNVR. And for all of those Hoops fans that are already members and come out to the bar for the Nuggets game or just enjoy the DNVR Nuggets guys and all the great coverage that they're providing, I know they're going to be happy. But even if you wouldn't consider yourself a huge basketball fan, that's okay because the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, once you hear that, it's going to be a little bit hard to pass up. It may be too good to be true, but it is true. New customers right now can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on the NBA with same game parlays. Parlay, what does that word mean? Hey, it's just a fancy way of saying if you combine multiple bets from the same game, you can actually win a lot more money. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can actually deposit withdraw your cash Whenever you want. Not always true from the other guy. Now, when you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, just know you can use promo code DNVR to bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code DNVR DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700.
And if you want to actually watch Nuggets games, you may have been having some difficulty with that. Same could be true for the Avalanche. But guess what? We've got one of our newest partners that's going to help you out with that. It's Avaca TV. It's a totally new paradigm for TV delivery that's actually less expensive and more efficient while offering a superior picture than those legacy providers. They've got local networks like Altitude Sports and other national channels with more being added to the lineup. Services now available all throughout the Rocky Mountain region, Denver, Colorado Springs, Phoenix, as well as Boise and Twin Falls, Idaho. Now in Denver, Ivaca TV is using next-gen broadcast technology, which allows for a vibrant picture quality using far less bandwidth streaming services. Simply using an antenna and a Vaca smart receiver, customers in the Denver area can access next-gen broadcast on ABC, NBC, Fox, and CW. Most importantly, did I mention Ivaca TV has altitude sports? Pretty much all I needed to say was that part, I bet, right? They make it easy to follow the Colorado teams you love, including the Nuggets, Avalanche, Rapids, Mammoth. Plus, you'll actually get access to coverage of the Rams, Pioneers, and baseball, too. How to sign up for Avaca TV? Well, just go to avaca.tv slash dnvr. That's avaca.tv slash dnvr. And at only $25 per month plus receiver, you don't have to worry about contracts. You don't have to worry about the hidden fees. The price is locked in for two years with that deal at evaca, E-V-O-C-A dot TV slash dnvr. You get the nuggets and abs. Need I say more? I do have to say a lot more about a subject I avoided earlier in the week. I will admit it because it's it's not good news. It's it's not good news. It's not great news. It's not happy news. And we're already struggling a little bit right now with everything going on with the lockout, which we will get an update on here very shortly. But it was a case that was going on this week dealing with the communications director for the Los Angeles Angels, Eric K. And really, the case centers around the passing of Tyler Skaggs, a very talented young pitcher for the Los Angeles Angels, and his death in. And during this case on Eric K., the communications director, to see, you know, was he responsible for the death of Skaggs. We had four players who testified that they had received oxycodone from Eric K. And one of those players included CJ Crone. The jury on Thursday deliberated for about 90 minutes before putting out the verdict that K was guilty on two felony counts, siding with the government that K had distributed these counterfeit oxycodone pills laced with fentanyl that led to Skaggs' death at the age of 27 back on July 1st, 2019. One of the players who was implicated in this was former Mets star pitcher. It was a very short time, really, that he was a star, I would have to say. Matt Harvey, who you know admitted his, his use of oxycodone uh, as well as cocaine use. And the biggest reveal was, of course, that he did supply Percocet pills to Tyler Skaggs. Now, Harvey and all the players that testified did receive immunity as the goal for the government here was to pin the rap on Eric Kay. And you know anything else that comes out, any illegal drug use was really secondary to that. So getting these players on board and giving them immunity was really way more important in the grand scheme of things to the trial. Now, Harvey is actually a free agent right now, so he's not tied to any team at all. He's been struggling over the last few years, bouncing around from team to team. He's 32 years old, which certainly is not that old at all. But when you're struggling and and scraping by, going from team to team, you know that's not a great sign. And now you got this dark cloud hanging over your head to begin with. And on top of that, there's more than just a dark cloud over Matt Harvey because according to the joint drug agreement right now between the league and the union, any player who participates in the sale or distribution, distribution being the keyword here, of a prohibited substance is subject to at least a 60-game suspension, but not more than a 90-game suspension. So 
a lot of conversation right now about whether or not Harvey will get a 60-game suspension slapped on him for this. Now, the league may not even make that announcement until he's even signed, which I don't believe he's a minor league free agent. I think he is just a, a natural major league free agent, so no team can even touch him at this point. And I don't know if any team will going forward after some of the things that he confessed. It, he did also mention something about having suicidal thoughts, which is obviously awful to hear about. You know, Anything you might say about Matt Harvey and how maybe he's not a good guy and, and anything other than that, you don't want someone having those kind of thoughts and maybe not getting the support that he should have been getting. And I think there's a lot of players that struggle with mental health and it really is the next phase of player protection and looking after guys. I think we've seen that, you know, really since the pandemic step up where people are feeling more and more comfortable talking about any of their mental health issues or just getting support and being more open and honest and, and full disclosure. I myself actually started seeing a therapist about a couple months ago to, to clean up some cobwebs if you were, but bottom line is it, it doesn't matter. It's, I realized and I recognize as, as did my family that, you know what, maybe I'm a little anxious. Maybe I'm a little bit sensitive about certain things. And so, you know what? Yeah, absolutely. Let's go for it. Let's, let's talk about some of my feelings and some of my emotions, nothing wrong with that. And I think baseball players and, and all professional athletes should dive into that. So if, if you're thinking about, you know, getting any help out there, I know better help is really affordable. A lot of insurances will go ahead. Uh, there's a cool site called Headway that uh, I used for, for my weekly therapy. And so, you know, get it, whether you just clean up the cobwebs or you have some more serious issues, go out there and, and get some help and support because there's nothing wrong with feeling supported mentally in this capacity. Now for CJ Crone, he did not distribute any of these substances that have been discussed, whether it's oxycodone or, or fentanyl, anything like that. He did say he part, partook and, and, and purchased pills on, on eight different occasions from Eric K. And so, you know, does he get suspended? I don't think so. The Again, the 60-game suspension for Matt Harvey is more about him distributing and, and giving those pills to Skaggs rather than taking them. I think it opens up a major can of worms to just suspend Crone and, and some of the players that testified on the stand about purchasing pills for Eric Kay because we could see a lot more of that happening, frankly. There's a really good podcast that I check in on every week, and, and you know sometimes I listen to it every single day. It's, it's called Nothing Personal. The, the Nothing Personal podcast by former Marlins owner David Sampson. And, you know, he talked a, a bit about what he saw in clubhouses and, you know, behavior such as that and, and, and alcohol abuse and, you know, the difficulties that some players had with their relationships at home with their significant other. The fact that in every clubhouse he went into, he said, there was a gay player that was in there, but just wasn't openly gay as far as to the to the general public. His teammates knew, and they didn't care. It wasn't a big deal, which I love to hear. Obviously, I, it would be much better, I think, for the world if that stigma was entirely removed. And so, you know, Samson gives these really interesting takes and, and insight on what it means to to own a team and, and to be on the inside of baseball in that capacity. And, you know, he he points out a few things that Ken Rosenthal actually pointed out on the athletic whereby Rosenthal says, quote, according to the U S department of health and human services, 10.1 million people misused prescription opioids in 2019 at a time when the U S population was around 328 million, which basically translates to one in 33 people have misused prescription opioids. And that doesn't even include the counterfeit street drugs like the pills Tyler Skaggs was said to have taken from Eric K, the oxycodone lace with fentanyl. So do the math. I mean, you've got a 26-man roster. If you got seven guys on the IL still hanging around the team, that means at least one of those players has an issue. And that doesn't, I'm not trying to paint them 
as a bad person. No, they, they need help. They need support. But it's something that's running rampant in the game that the players need a little more support with. Now, many in the game also have said, I think I've read this also in the Rosenthal article, that the use of marijuana is rampant in the sport. And we know that, you know, 33 states in the U.S., it's legalized, including the nation's capital, District of Columbia. And so marijuana is not the same thing as maybe when we were growing up, how it was demonized and, and vilified. And I think that's to be understood, especially because these players beat up their bodies. It's, it's rough, man. It's rough. I enjoy my exercise and I enjoy being in shape and, and training. I, I've been kind of dancing around this idea of, of running a marathon for the first time in, you know, I don't know, three or four years, whatever it may be. And, you know, there are going to be days in which, and you know what, my knees are, are a little bit, a little bit sore today, a little bit raw. So, you know what, I'm going to take a day off. I'm supposed to train today and run these many miles, but you know what, I need to listen to my body and take a break. I have that option and opportunity. I even have the option of, of saying, well, you know what, come marathon day, I'm, I'm going to walk maybe more than I run, or I'm going to walk more than I had anticipated. And I don't have a time, a set time. I, I just want to finish. It's going to take me six hours, seven hours. Who cares? I'm going to have, have done this thing that's that's very challenging and not not so many people can say that they've done and I can still feel accomplished but if I'm a professional athlete I can't just do it I can't just stand at the plate with a bat on my shoulder and say hey I did it I tried I accomplished the at bat or I put the ball in play I I just slapped the ball back to the pitcher that's something right well no you're going to get sent back down to the minors you're going to be released and it's even worse for pitchers. So as much as we love to idolize and, and glamorize the life that these players lead, it's it's also rough. It's also challenging. And, you know, hopefully that's the good thing that can come of this trial is that certain changes will be brought about so that players get the support that they need. And at least maybe people understand a little bit better what's going on inside the game. One game that I'm enjoying getting to learn a little bit more about is the game of rugby. In fact, it's Colorado rugby and it's the American Raptors. If you haven't heard of them, they're a top-notch group of athletes who've already done it at a very high level in, in football, basketball, wrestling, soccer, etc. And now they're learning a new sport. You could learn along with them, with Colton Strickler and his DNVR rugby podcast. You're going to learn a lot more about the game with Colton's one-on-one rugby podcast with exclusive interviews with athletes and coaches. And dig this, you know, since the Super Bowl is over and we don't know when baseball is necessarily coming back, guess what? You can learn a lot more about rugby and get some betting advice on the Super Rugby that starts at the end of this month. Very convenient timing. Very convenient timing. People over there in, in the rugby world know exactly what they're doing. Head over to AmericanRaptors.com to stream all of their games and to even pick up some free tickets when they're back down at Glendale at Rugby Town USA. All of that and more, again, can be found down at AmericanRaptors.com. Got to tell you about the relief and recovery creams from Escape Artists. Man, they sounds really good right now on my knees. I've already been using it. Now I want to ladder up again to, to help myself out and help my recovery from my current training. And I know I don't have to worry about staining any of my clothes or my sheets when I do that with this highest awarded topical brand in Colorado, since they prioritize quality and consistency. Now, the best part of Escape Artists is that you can find them at your local Lightshade dispensary. There's 10, soon to be 11 in the Denver metro area. Lightshade has a premium selection of cannabis concentrates, top shelf flower, edibles, tinctures, accessories, and more. Podcast listeners, you can actually get 25% off all non-sale items right now when you use code DNVR. All you got to do is shop online at lightshade.com for your pickup or just go into any Lightshade location near you. Mention code DNVR to get that 25% off non-sale items. Well, the two sides met on Thursday, the Players Association and 
Major League Baseball, right? The owners and the union, MLB, the MLBPA, however you want to draw up those lines, they are on opposite sides of it. Now, they only met for 15 minutes, which is not great, of course. And the details that came out of it weren't terribly positive. But even before I get into that, here, here are two positive things, though, that you can take away here on Friday morning. It's that, one, after the meeting between the two sides, Dan Hallam, the lead negotiator for MLB, and Bruce Meyer, lead negotiator for the players, they actually had a side meeting that lasted about 20 minutes and was pretty candid. So I like that there's people taking charge. I mean, it should. That's that's their job. But stepping aside and maybe getting the BS out of the way a little bit, I don't know how much of the BS was kind of moved away, but hopefully, hopefully that did some positive things. And the other big piece of news that Evan Drellich of The Athletic reported is that both sides are set to meet throughout all of next week. Yes, even, even as early as Monday, I believe, they are going to meet. So, you know, it might not be the situation that Drew Goodman mentioned last week on the podcast, lock them in a room and say, figure this thing out and, and we'll give you Breck beer, Strava Craft coffee, sexy pizza, slide under the door, whatever it may be. It's not going to be that. But the fact that they are pushing right now to get this done, it at least looks very positive. It looks very positive because we're coming up against it. The, the, the deadline for when we can almost definitively say there will be no opening day on time on March 31st. We're getting close to that point. In fact, one of the things that came out of the meeting was owners presented the players with a calendar of deadlines in order to show them you know, which dates would mean ruling out opening day. And you hear that and go, hey, that should be helpful. But the players already know that. The players already have this general information. They, It's not this unknown thing of, well, what happens if we don't have a deal by February 24th? Well, what do we have to do something on the 25th? Oh, no, it can be the 26th. They already know this. This is just a PR ploy for the owners to be able to say, hey, look, the players were given an opportunity to not kill opening day. They saw what was at stake. They saw that this was the final day before we would have to kill it. That come on, like we're smarter than that. Everyone listening to this is much smarter than that. We know that that both sides have their faults. No two ways about it. The owners obviously pushed this thing forward with the lockout. Could have kept the, the CBA going. Then the players could have had a strike. We know this. Look, it's all smoke and mirrors in so many ways. It's all a, a way to try to get more negotiation going. And it's it's somewhat of a crock because, you know, the owners really didn't come to the table with a lot of proposals. They waited a while to get it done, and they waited a while to put their second proposal out there, even when they called for a mediator. And you don't need a mediator if you're not proposing anything. And so a little frustrated. Little frustrated to say the least. Now, in this calendar, February 28th seems to be what was presented as the deadline. It's really what we've been saying since last Thursday when Commissioner Manfred laid it out and said, Hey, spring training, we can get by with four weeks. And we know it's going to take players about a week, less than a week, really, for so many of them. There's a lot of guys already down there right now in Arizona and in Florida. So, in fact, if you were watching any of the really good coverage, from DNVR Golf and the golf bros, Mitchell and Spence, you probably saw a bunch of pictures with Cal Freeland, Garrett Hampson was there, Jeff Houston from AT&T Sportsnet. All the guys were, were down there already. I mean, that, that's where they live in the offseason. Makes sense. So February 28th is that day, give or take. March for, I could, I could even see March 3rd still allowing us to have a season at the normal time, because honestly, I think three weeks, they could get by with three weeks. It's not ideal. You'd have to expand the roster. So there's more pitchers to eat up more innings because instead of Herman Marquez ready to go five things go well, six innings in his first start. Hey, he's only going to be maybe on his fifth start of the spring. So maybe he can only go four innings. Well, you need a couple extra arms, a couple extra bodies, and they could work that out. It's what they did in 95 when they had that delayed start at the end of April. So really just a ploy 
to put things out there and say, hey, we got to get it done by February 28th. And if it doesn't happen, the players knew what was at stake. So did you. So did you, MLB owners. Now, players did come to the table on Thursday and said that, you know what? Fine. It doesn't have to be all players with two years of service time that should go to arbitration. They backed down and said, all right, it doesn't have to be all 100%. Right now, it's the top 22% or those that are closest to three years of service time. So they're between two and three. And again, two years of service time does not mean two years in the majors. Because if you were called up in August, then you only played for two months. And and service time is actually calculated by days on the big league roster. So a year is 182. So if if you have 0.182 as your service time, you actually have one full year of service time. So you get called up in August, and then you don't get called up until May of the next year. Well, your baseball reference page is going to say you've been in the majors for two years. You've been in the majors for parts of two years, but you don't even have one year of service time yet, let alone the two you need to get to arbitration. So the player said, fine, it doesn't have to be 100%. Let's make it only 80% of players that should get arbitration. So they almost flipped at what it is now. Instead of it being only the top 22, they said, hey, only the bottom 20 does not get that arbitration. So, okay, a little back and forth there, but then the Players Association did bump up the bonus pool for arbitration from $100 million to $115 million. So it really all just may be a wash in the grand scheme of things. And in many ways, I think it is. Now, Ben Nicholson-Smith of Sportsnet up in Canada said that Major League Baseball has expressed some willingness to move towards the union's demands on the competitive balance tax and efforts to get payers and efforts to get players paid earlier in their careers. But again, that's talk, and they very well could do that and move closer to the union's demands. All you got to do is take one step forward and say, hey, you know what? We'll bump up our offer by $2 million when both sides are separated by $80 million. It doesn't really do very much. And so it's this ticky-tack game that's just being dragged out. It's frustrating, friends. It's it's frustrating. Now, one thing that I don't believe I talked about yet on the podcast is something that came out midweek, and it was this idea that the owners decided, you know what, let's shrink the minor leagues even more. What the heck? Now, we already know that they killed off 40 different teams. Really, they, they killed off 43 minor league markets, not 40. And from 160 to 120, hey, Patrick, I'm not that great at math, but I know that that's 40. Yes, it's only 40. But you got to remember there were three independent teams that weren't original minor league markets that were brought in. That was Somerset Patriots in New Jersey, the St. Paul Saints up there just outside of Minneapolis, and you had the Sugarland Skeeters now, the Sugarland Space Cowboys. So they came in and that knocked off another three from the minor leagues. And what Major League Baseball wants to do is reduce the amount of minor leaguers in their system. So right now, most teams have between about 150 and 180 in their system. A couple teams have a little bit less than 150. A couple teams have a little bit more than 180. But MLB wants to cut that down to a maximum of 150. Minor leaguers are not a part of the union. And yet, they want the Players Association to speak for a group that ultimately has no rights. And that's, that's gross. That's gross. That's really bad for something like that to happen. And MLB could do that. They could just straight up cut the amount of minor leaguers down to 150, as far as I know, as far as, far as my layman's knowledge, if you will. But they could do that. They just don't want to be the ones who do that. If they can slide this bad boy into the CBA, well, then, hey, both parties decided that, and it's not as bad. The game itself decided to remove these extra amounts of jobs when, really, it's MLB that wants to do that. Now, 
you know, really it's, it's just a strategy to save more money by the teams and not a lot of money. It really isn't going to amount to a lot of money if you're lopping off maybe 15 to 20 jobs. And again, we're talking about the last guy on the bench of a high A team, uh, you know, a player who's maybe 24 years old. He's a pitcher. He tops out at 90 miles an hour and it just didn't work. You know, went to the university of Florida, pitched division one baseball for the Gators. You know, Hey, you had a nice little career. It's not the end of the world. If that guy loses his gig, at least that's what MLB wants you to believe. What happens when the 150 players in your system, what happens when some of them get hurt? What are you going to do? Well, how convenient is it that Major League Baseball, after shrinking down the footprint of minor league baseball from 160 to 120, they decided to rope in four different independent leagues to be affiliate leagues. And so I think in the grand scheme of things, what Major League Baseball wants to do is almost create somewhat of a loan system. It's almost a reverse loan system. Like, you know, if you follow soccer in, in, in Europe, you know, teams will, you know, purchase a, a player's contract and say, okay, you know, we own your rights, but you're not even going to play with us. You're going to play with a lower level team and work on your abilities and things of that nature. And when we need you, we'll bring you in. And for Major League Baseball, it's almost the reverse where they want these independent teams to pay and develop some of these guys. And only when we need you at the last second, will we then pay for you. And we probably won't even pay very much for you. It'll be cheaper for them to bring these guys in whenever they happen to need them and just an extra body off of the bench. And so, you know, maybe that actually could be something that's beneficial to the game of baseball and maybe makes independent baseball a little bit more important in our country. So now when you look at the Pioneer League, which still exists with the Rocky Mountain Vibes, the Grand Junction Rockies, and the Northern Colorado Owls set to make their debut in 2022, you say, well, it's not the same as when they were affiliated in the minors and the Rockies would draft players or they would bring some of their Dominican Summer League players to the United States for the first time and they would play with them. Well, you know, go back and look at those rosters and there's not a ton of players that even made it to the majors, let alone were incredibly good, right? The Rockies, I think, did a much better job maybe than than some other franchises. And also, look, we keep we keep tabs on the Rockies, so we know who the best players are. But in the grand scheme of things, yeah, it wasn't a ton. And now we're just seeing that these players are going to the Complex League, the Arizona Complex League, the Florida Complex League over there in the Grapefruit League over there in Florida, and then they'll go to low A in Fresno before going to Spokane. So they're still there. They're still doing their thing. But now instead of when you look at the Grand Junction Rockies roster and you might see 60 names on there and you know only six of them made it to the majors, well, guess what? You're still, when you look at the Arizona Complex League, it's still going to be those same six guys who make it to the majors, but instead of there being 60 names of guys who, you know, barely made it past double a, now there might only be 40. It's still sad that 20 guys will not either be able to say that they were a minor league player or, you know, they won't have those memories. They won't be able to really pass the game on along in a capacity that has been beneficial to the game overall. But much like what happened in the early 1990s when Major League Baseball signed a completely different PBA, a professional baseball agreement with the minors, and it brought about some serious changes, and, and minor league baseball was very worried at that time that they'd be able to keep the lights on, and it ended up actually saving minor league baseball, and and it helped finance all these new stadiums across the country over the last really 25, 30 years. I don't know that MLB has this grand plan that's going to save baseball in these communities that have been long forgotten about, particularly out here in the West. I don't know that, but look, baseball survives. Baseball is a game that you can't kill it. And maybe MLB right now, it, it probably feels like in so many ways they're, they're trying to kill it, but 
it's not going to die. And maybe if there are less minor league players in a minor league system, the independent baseball can be better and maybe more relevant and maybe provide even more exciting stories of guys who make it to the majors or contribute at AAA. Or if you're a big leaguer who has Tommy John surgery and you're not signed to a major league deal and the teams don't even want to sign you to a minor league deal, well, guess what? You might need to suit up for the Rocky Mountain vibes. You know, who knows what happens in 10 years down the line where Kyle Freeland says, ah, shoot, I want to be the next Jamie Moyer. I got Tommy John surgery at 40 years old and I want to make a comeback. And he goes and plays for the Rocky Mountain Vibes. He has that option and opportunity because maybe the Pioneer League continues to be one of those better indie leagues. Maybe they even have a new stadium down there in Colorado Springs. I know that's a bit of a pipe dream, but that's one of the reasons why baseball did leave Colorado Springs was the state of security field down in Colorado Springs. So it's a lot of wild stuff going on with these negotiations. And, you know, it's not fun to, to really dig into the weeds and talk about money and you know, I know a lot of you out there are enjoying this kind of coverage and you appreciate learning a little bit more about what's going on behind the scenes. So you can understand better either what the Rockies are doing right, what they're doing wrong, or really what, what teams are doing in general to be successful in order to gain the system, right? So, you know, it, it is important, really, if, if, if you're a hardcore or if you just want to be a better baseball fan, you know, it is important to keep tabs on, on stuff like this. And because I don't want to go out on a low note. And anytime we're talking about the lockout, it, it certainly is, is a low note. You know, tip of the cap, got to give one to Ryan Zimmerman, who does call it a career. Don't think he's a Hall of Famer, but pretty much has every franchise record for the Nationals. And really, I should say Expos slash Nationals, because the franchise is really the history of the entire organization. And when they left Montreal to move to Washington, D.C., they retained all of that history. So everything from Andre Dawson, Hall of Famer, Tim Raines, Hall of Famer, Gary Carter, Hall of Famer, and yeah, Randy Johnson too. Hey, he was on the Expos for a little while. Pedro Martinez, yeah, all those guys technically, they're, they're lumped in with the Nationals history, but Ryan Zimmerman has so many of those offensive records in their franchise history. And while we're on the subject of that, did you hear... Juan Soto turned down a 13-year, $350 million contract from the Nats just before the lockout? I think that was probably a, a good call. I mean, you saw that Fernando Tatis essentially got that deal last year, and Soto continued to build even more on his legacy. And really, when you consider the fact that he only has three more years until he's a free agent, he'll be a free agent after his age 25 season. It's unbelievable. I mean, he came up at 19 years old. So, you know, that's that's going to happen. So one of the best, most exciting players in the game. Finished second in NL MVP voting. Silver Slugger for the second consecutive year. And, you know, second in the Rookie of the Year award voting in 2018. And top 10 in MVP voting the last three years. So... And and I, I, I you can't say enough about Juan Soto. You cannot say enough about him. He can also stay healthy. He does that a little bit better than Fernando Tatis. So the Nats are going to have to pony up. It's crazy to to bet on yourself in that way and say three hundred fifty million dollars. That's kind of chump change. And and you know it is to a degree because the Nationals are only offering him that because they think hey that's a good deal for us. If we only give him, <laughs> if we only give him. $350 million, man, we are going to make a lot of money. So how much are they willing to go up? I don't know. First $400 million player in MLB, Juan Soto? Yeah. Yes. Juan Soto will be the first $400 million player in Major League Baseball. Put it in the books. That wraps up another week here for DNVR Rockies. Thank you all for your great feedback. We have some Wonderful guests next week. As I said, Evan Lang from Purple Row will be on. We're going to talk with Kenneth Weber, name you may have crossed paths with. He's another guy from Purple Row, does an amazing job 
covering prospects. We get his take on all things Rockies before diving into a lot more of that prospect coverage. We're going to be doing a lot more of that, especially if we don't have any major league games to talk about. I'm kind of excited in a weird way, maybe because in 2020, when we were in a similar predicament, we only had the KBO to talk about. And hey, that was that was exciting too a little bit, but this will have a lot more important and real ramifications on the Rockies as we scout a lot more of these minor leaguers. So we got Evan, we got Kenneth, we got a fun podcast where I break down my top 10 Rockies minor league logos. Yes, all of their affiliates. They've had a little over 20, and I give you my top 10. I'm sure it's not going to be without some controversy because Hartford Yard Goats, they're not number one. And they're also not the only team from Connecticut that is represented in the top 10. In fact, there may be two more teams from Connecticut in that top 10. So make sure you are tuned into that. There'll be also a live broadcast of that on YouTube at the DNVR Sports Channel over there on YouTube. So you can watch and actually get to see what all of these logos look like, especially some of the more obscure ones that you don't know, especially more of the obscure ones that you may not have been acclimated to. It's going to be another fun one coming up. We got to have fun. We got to have fun in this time right now. And so let us know how much fun you're having over there on the old Twitter box at DNVR underscore Rockies for all of our content. Hey, I'm at Patrick D Lyons on Twitter. You can email me Patrick at the DNVR.com. I love getting all the great feedback. Thanks to everyone who's been leaving feedback. Also, wherever you listen to this as a podcast and giving us those five-star ratings, really greatly appreciate all the positive feedback and, and the love you guys have been showing me uh, since I've, I've taken over the reins. It's, it's been a lot of fun. I have to say it's been been wonderful being able to focus on nothing but baseball. Hopefully that enjoyment and that love of the game has been felt on your end because it's it's not just my job, but it is my passion to bring you the best Rockies content in the world, dare I say. Not just in Colorado, not just in Denver, but in the freaking world. So thank you again for tuning into the DNVR Rockies podcast for dnvr sports i'm patrick lyons you know what they say about momentum yeah it's only as good as tomorrow's podcast so i will talk to you next week ah mm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on that's nice at caskers.com we make this experience easy Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.